I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today, no boss or manager is safe from nuclear revenge. That said, first, schooling my boss. The celebrity world is incredibly glamorous, and it can certainly feel like that sometimes. But when you stay in it long enough, you'll realize that maybe everything isn't as it seems. With the abundance of paparazzi and celebrity news outlets on nearly every social media platform, it's very easy to be flooded by information that doesn't stay valid for too long. I'm a 26-year-old woman, and I've worked as a personal assistant to a celebrity stylist for three and a half years. My boss is a 34-year-old woman that I'll call Jeannie. I think it's mandatory to mention that it's not her real name. Now, I won't be mentioning who Jeannie worked for, but the person is a big shot in both the music and movie industries, and they are the sweetest human ever. How I started working for Jeannie is a little funny, I'll be honest. I had just moved to New York after watching The Devil Wears Prada a little too many times, and after two months of surviving on my savings, I finally decided that it was time to get myself a big girl job. I'm someone who lives by the quote, If it feels right, then it is right, which made for a lot of job hopping. I didn't keep any jobs for longer than two months, and I was barely doing enough to pay for my rent and three meals a day, but it was fine to me, because finding a job that I was interested in meant more to me than anything else. I normally wouldn't care to mention why, but I think it's valid to mention that I'm on the ADHD spectrum, and if I don't work a job that interests me in the slightest, I'll be absolutely useless at it. This proved to be true with me barely keeping a job past two months. The day I met Jeannie was actually a really bad day. I got a few job interviews that I had to take train rides to. I dressed in my cutest thrifted designer pieces to the interviews, but I could tell from how badly the interview went that I wouldn't get any of the jobs. On the train ride back, I noticed Jeannie because of her super shiny metallic silver boots and I couldn't help but stare at them. Because I was looking at her so much, I noticed when she left the train and forgot her Telfar bag, her purple Telfar bag. Now, I'm a huge fashion enthusiast, but I don't have the money to do more than thrifting. Thrifting as a bigger girl in New York City is next to impossible and insanely expensive, but I make it work. The Telfar bag in my favorite color has been on the top of my list, and I've looked so hard but never found it anywhere that wasn't too expensive. But here it was, sitting on a train and staring me in the face. My initial plan was to take it for myself, but upon second inspection, the owner had a lot of important things in it. I saw her wallet, ID cards, and random dollar bills lying around, as well as a few other important looking stuff. I'd feel too guilty if I took it. So I called her number, and instead of going home when I got to my stop, I got another ticket and started going back to Long Island. The woman was tired and her face was visibly swollen from crying, and she immediately hugged me, letting me know that her most important notebook that she used to write down things she needed to remember was in the bag as well. She offered to give me money or buy me drinks, but I refused, just reeling in the joy of making someone feel better. The last thing she said before we were supposed to part was, 
If I had an assistant, all of this would have been avoided. And I didn't know when I blurted out that I could be her assistant. There was a very long minute of silence before she asked me how good my memory was. I let her know that I was the best at recalling both my schedules as well as others. She didn't know this at the time, but not too long after my diagnosis with ADHD, I started therapy to help me figure healthy ways to keep my brain on track, and they became habits for me. For the first time in my life, I was being honest during a job interview that wasn't even a proper job interview. After our brief discussion, I got on a train back home with Jeannie's personal number on my phone, her book of schedules, and a a 7am train to catch the very next day. Being a stylist's assistant was the best job ever. It was so exhausting and mentally stimulating at the same time. We traveled a lot, slept for insane hours, and ate on the move. I learned to multitask in ways that I had never thought I could before. Jeannie was good at her job and she was one of the few stylists in the business that went to jobs fully decked out in gorgeous clothes and makeup. I tried to keep up with her as much as I could but things started to get a little messy as she just expected me to know things when she didn't tell me. Almost as if she expected me to be telepathic or is it psychic? I spoke up about the lack of communication and how I needed her to be clearer with me so that we didn't miss any appointments, and she looked at me like I was asking for an impossible favor. Shortly after then, Christmas came up and I took time off to travel back home and spend time with my family. Before I had to go, I set up her appointments, put up decorations in her apartment, and put in her coffee orders for the next three weeks, just so she wouldn't have issues adjusting without me. Tell me why, as soon as I arrive in the airport, I look at my phone and see nearly 10 missed calls and multiple texts in all caps, asking me to come back to her office or I would lose my job. Finding a job was already hard enough, and I didn't want to begin my new year with looking for one, so I did what any reasonable person would do and try to call her back. All she did was yell at me to come back and fix a mess that I made. The funny part of the entire exchange was that if she just checked the to-do list slash alarm reminder system that I set up for her, she wouldn't have had to have called me. I didn't miss my flight because I got very excited and went to the airport four hours early, and then the flight was delayed for an extra hour. It was just my luck that I got there barely 20 minutes before takeoff. We started the new year on a very exhausting note as she had appointments to style very many celebrities for the array of award events that were taking place, as well as photo shoots, wardrobe styling jobs, and many others. It was a lot, and I very nicely asked for a raise, just in time for my birthday. I was met with a scowl and a scathing email of how inconsiderate I was and how I didn't take the job seriously. It was as if all she knew to do from then on was to let me know how easily replaceable I was. I worked my butt off barely slept and developed the darkest under eye bags, lost a massive amount of weight and stopped hanging out with friends or taking care of myself because I really wanted to prove that I was worthy of the job. My birthday came and passed without as much as a simple acknowledgement from my boss and I remember also forgetting. I remembered later at night when I had the chance to scroll through my phone before bed and saw all the birthday wishes from friends and family. We soon reached a year working together, and I was exhausted. It got so bad that people I barely knew started asking me if I was sick and telling me that I needed a break. Now, I've got a very toxic mentality towards illness. I believe that if I ignore it for long enough, it will go away. That's why I continued to work my butt off until one day I woke up and couldn't 
physically move. Even then, I still made a couple of calls and texts to make sure things were still in place for Jeannie. When I called to let her know that I was too sick to function, she screamed at me and called me lazy and threatened to not pay me for the month if I didn't show up. I hung up and turned off my phone until I felt better later that night. It was hurtful that my employer didn't give a darn about my health, only caring about her business but not the person who made the said business run smoothly. I sent an email letting her know to check our joint virtual planner for information concerning work for the next few days as I would be out of order, getting better. She responded asking me to work from home for the rest of the month and then she would pay me off at the end and we would cease to work together. Immediately I saw the message. I just knew that I had to make her realize that treating someone who worked so hard for her the way that she treated me was not acceptable. I started to slightly shift things, just enough for her not to notice. I started by showing up to her office when she was out of town to move things around, delete some already drafted emails, and cancel a few orders. I got in because everyone at the office knew me and had no doubts when I told them that I just forgot my key at home. Then I made mistakes that I knew she was prone to, like setting reminders a day too early or a day too late, and then lied by telling her I didn't do any of it. With time, even she began to doubt her own mind. But that wasn't the end of it. I still had more up my sleeve. There's a popular music award show in May, and Jeannie was supposed to style a celebrity who was presenting at the show, which meant multiple outfit changes. We had planned the outfits months earlier, going as far as having up to three backup outfits just in case. I extended the order for the main outfits so it would be delivered an entire month after and then went ahead to order the backups to my apartment. The trick here was that I used Jeannie's email to extend the order, as she was fully convinced that she did it. She eventually called me because I sent a text asking her what to do with the spare outfits in my house, and next thing I knew, I was on a flight to LA. A lot was riding on the job because this was a massive celebrity who could end her career with one tweet or Instagram post and end everything she had struggled to build. She had to swallow her pride and admit that she needed my help. Did I feel bad for basically gaslighting my boss into letting me keep my job? Yes. If I'd have been caught, I probably would have gone to jail. But did she learn to value me more? Absolutely. It was almost as if she realized that without the routine we had made up, things would crumble into a big mess. Jeannie is so much kinder now, and she will never know what I did. But boy, am I glad that I did it. You hear of big shots and people in high up positions treating their employees underneath them kind of like dirt. But when you have an assistant who is so vital to making sure your job continues to function properly, like somebody that has access to really being able to screw you over, why would you treat them bad? You really think you're untouchable at that rate, right? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy crazy stories of nuclear revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is paying my manager back. A lot of our life lessons are learned at our first job, or sometimes life becomes the reason why we get jobs early on. For me, it was the latter, and I'm about to tell you how I went from being a timid teenager to standing up for myself and my other co-workers. I was born into a very small family. It was just my parents, me, and my little sister for most of my life. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Life. We were also very tightly knit as a family, doing activities together and just being happy. Most of my earlier childhood was happy, and for that I'll be eternally grateful to my parents. They were only children of their own parents and always wanted a safe environment for their own kids, and they did amazing in providing that. My little sister and I were homeschooled for most of our lives, and while it did give us small problems like social anxiety and the inability to handle large crowds, later on it caused us to be independent and more emotionally intelligent than most. My father was a sweet, quiet man who liked to do woodwork and carpentry. It was one of the first skills I learned, eventually branching out into pottery and sewing and just about anything I could do with my hands. My mother's also a quiet woman and an artist, so most of our family moments were spent in silence, working with our hands. When I turned 13, my father started getting really ill a lot of the time. They would last short amounts of time, but with time they became very frequent, and within the window of time he had between recovery and the next bout of illness, he barely had any energy for anything else. He was always so tired and exhausted and slept all the time. My mother was so strong for us and my dad, but my 11-year-old sister understood that things were not the same anymore and that we would have to be careful around him. Our parents tried their best to act normal, but we somehow knew that things would never be the same again. It was in the later stages that we, the kids, found out that our dad had a violent case of leukemia and wouldn't make it. He did last longer than the intended three months, making it to one year and four months before passing away. His death hit us harder because he had the biggest personality at home, and his absence dug a big hole in the fabric of what our family used to be. In the beginning, we all became extremely detached from each other, mourning him in our own little ways. Our house was dead quiet for days on end, with my sister and I being unable to attend our homeschool classes and my mother being cooped up in her room all day. 
Right after my dad's funeral, my mother called us to explain how his illnesses and medicine put a strain on the family's finances, and since she had been too distracted with taking care of him and us to do any work. Her initial solution was to get multiple jobs so that she could continue to pay for our homeschooling, but I suggested going to a public high school since I was already of the right age. It would save a lot of money, and I could also take up a shift at one of the many fast food or coffee shops nearby. They're somehow always looking for staff, no matter how many people apply. My little sister, who was 13 at the time, agreed to go with me to public school and take on babysitting and dog sitting around the neighborhood to make some money as well. It was the first time all three of us had spoken full sentences to each other, and we ate dinner together as well. Our dad's favorite is leftover microwave pizza. Being thrust from homeschool life into the public high school setting was the biggest and most insane change of our lives. We were ambushed by noise and people and smells. It was so intense that I had a panic attack in the bathroom for the entire lunch period. After two weeks of settling in, I went in for an interview at one of the fast food joints around school and I was instantly hired for the rush hour shift. The pay was not the best, and the only customers were basically high schoolers who just loved to be rude, so I was overstimulated and tired all the time. The manager at the time was a sweet old Korean man with a very strong accent and a soft voice, and he figured out I was having problems pretty early on. The day he called me into his office and asked me if I was okay, I burst into tears for the first time since my father's funeral, and he just hugged me until I was finished. Imagine a 5'11", 15-year-old holding onto a small 5'2 man for dear life. That was me. He let me end my shift early, and we spent the rest of the afternoon talking and eating donuts, and somehow, by the end of the day, I felt better about life than I had in almost two years. My manager, I'll call him Papa John, was a very kind man who worked as a guidance counselor in his youth until he retired and became the manager of the fast food. He was in his 70s and had been managing the place for almost 30 years. The year I turned 17 and was supposed to leave high school, Papa John finally hit 30 years as the manager of the restaurant, and we had a whole send-off party for him. It was the saddest and most emotional day of my life because he was a godsend and helped me heal from my dad's death faster than I would have. I overcame most of my social anxiety more and was able to be there for my family the way that I wanted to be. Within days of his absence, a new manager was hired and it was a completely new face that had never worked in the restaurant before. And we later found out that he'd never worked at any fast food chain at any point in his life. We all took a quick dislike to him the second he stepped into the place. He was snooty and rude and looked down on everyone as if we didn't all work at the same place. I'm usually very good at minding my business and staying in my lane. Until one day, the new manager, I'll call him Ron, decided to cross me. I call him Ron because he reminded me of the character in the sense that he had shockingly bright red hair. Besides that, there was nothing that tied him to the character. He seemed to hate joy and happiness. Whenever a younger member of the staff would decide to laugh or smile while they worked, he would talk down on them and threaten to reduce their salaries or something more drastic. The first time he crossed me, I had just gotten off an extra shift that I took for a coworker who was also a single mom that had too much going on with her lately. I decided to help out for a while, and I was closing up the restaurant when he showed up and asked me where my coworker was. I quickly explained as I packed up some of the leftover food and to-go baggies 
so that I could drop it off for her on my way home. He scowled and began crap-talking her, saying so many things about how young women enjoyed sex too much and then letting the world deal with the product of their bad decisions. It was really just a speech that let me know that he was a THE incel of the century. After he was done, I let the awkward silence linger in the air while I finished my work, only speaking to him as I walked out of the restaurant. I asked him in the most passive-aggressive, fake-nice tone to never speak to me if he had nothing nice or productive to say about work or anyone else. He had a lot to say after that calling me very colorful names and poorly disguised slurs. I still think it's an honor that he thought me to be a member of the LGBTQ community. Most of the workers at this restaurant were high schoolers like me, the youngest person being a 14-year-old kid who washed dishes in the kitchen. He was also hearing impaired and relied on hearing aids to hear us. Most of the time, especially when it was rush hour, he turned off the hearing aids to be able to concentrate on washing dishes as fast as he could. When he finished with the dishes, he dropped the clean ones on a shelf so that we could pick them up without disturbing him. It was a perfect pickup drop-off system that we developed and everyone was used to it. The second time Ron ran into me was during a Sunday shift. It was extremely busy because of the church outreach service that had taken place that morning and the church decided to sponsor the lunches for anyone who came into the restaurant between 12 to 5 p.m. Our youngest staff was on his feet and turned off his hearing aids as usual. Because of this, he didn't hear Ron calling to him and asking for more dishes. It was a high-stress situation, and while I understood the frustration, it was no reason for him, an adult, to storm into the kitchen, demand that the kid turn on his hearing aid, and then proceed to say some very scathing words to him. Real messed up crap that had this kid quivering and sobbing. As if that wasn't enough, he threw down a stack of 12 plates breaking them in the process and then letting the kid know that it was all coming from his paycheck. I intervened not too long after that and Ron had no choice but to back off. At 6 foot 3 and 230 pounds of fat and muscle, I was already a walking giant and I liked to use it whenever I could. After some more colorful words, the entire fiasco ended and we were able to come to a mutual understanding with a bit of mild threatening. Ron's behavior of bullying and threatening younger staff was beginning to get alarming, and before long we began to lose staff. The general outlet manager learned of this, and he decided to call a meeting with all the staff. At this point, we all hated Ron and wanted him gone, so we organized a little coup behind his back, with me being the ringleader. The most recent altercation he had was with a 17-year-old member of the staff, and it was so serious that he yelled at her and faked hitting her. Due to that, she fell and sprained her ankle. It had been a week and the sprain was almost fully healed, but I convinced her to write a scathing letter to the managing director's email, letting him know that she and her family planned to sue. Other staff who had left also started to do the same, both past and present. It became a huge thing, so much that we also signed petitions to kick him out of the restaurant. The day of the meeting came, and Ron was horrified by all of the accusations. He tried to argue until he was red in the face, but when so many parents were demanding either settlement for the mistreatment of their kids or threatening to sue, the company had to decide whether to shut down or let him go. The whole fiasco was published in local papers and Ron was terrorized by young kids who just loved to prank. He couldn't get a job anywhere in town for an entire year, 
not until he finally moved out. Even then, he had a workplace bully under his name on a few too many articles, and you had to be completely desperate for staff to hire him. My father and Papa John taught me to use whatever I could to do good, even if it meant framing a jerk to protect the people I cared about. All this time I just keep getting hung up on the whole Papa John thing. Is the place they work at a pizza restaurant? That said, I'm glad OP was able to step up and do something here because, God forbid, that's the kind of behavior from a manager you do not want to allow to be swept under the rug. Definitely, if not holding him accountable, hold the company accountable for protecting this guy if they don't do something about him. Definitely sounded like it was going to head to some kind of a lawsuit if something didn't happen. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy nuclear revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.